This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Bananimals, we have a fantastic episode for you today. But before you get to it, I just wanted to let you know about a late added show in Austin, Texas, August 7th. That's very, very soon. Uh, stateside uh, at the Paramount Theater. So please come on out August 7th in Austin, Texas. This replaces the Brian Texas show, which just never happened. <laughs> anyway, guys, see you in Austin and uh, enjoy this episode. It's fantastic. Well, Kurt. Brown Oler, do you want to hear a very banana story? Oh, just as I took a sip of sweet, sweet water, I'm back on the water train, folks. <laughs> I'm digging it. I'm drinking as much water as I want. I don't yeah. care. And I'm here to hear a great title. Scotty, give it to me. Newspaper congratulates man for pleasing 15 women for an entire day, leaving them exhausted and satisfied. <laughs> what? I don't even understand. <laughs> All right. Now that is, that's got to be bananas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the silliest little strange news podcast there ever once was, Bananas. Mm -hmm. I am Kurt Brownoller. I am Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis, coming to you live from Los Angeles. We're hanging out. It's a beautiful day. It's a solo ep. It's a solo epi, and we love mm, these. Mm, mm, mm. And just a reminder to everybody, uh, if you're in Los Angeles, I am uh -huh. performing... My hour of stand-up comedy uh, that I'm going to be recording later in August, August 11th at the Dynasty Typewriter, and of course, August 5th, 6th, 7th, Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Houston, Texas, and Bryan, Texas. All of those tickets are available at the Instagram of The Bananas Podcast. Please go and click on it and come see me. Did you set up our link tree? I'm not good at yes, stuff. You I did sure a great did. job. Boy, I love it. I'm I, clicking I, on every link. I love Linktree. I was like, I was like, I, and also it never occurred to me. I was always just frustrated. I was like, yeah. I can only list one thing at a time. Like, yeah. and then, but never, my brain never made the step to someone should make a thing where there's just one link and then a bunch of links. Yep. And Linktree, whoever did it, you're a genius. I don't know you're how you genius. make money. I don't know how you make money. Me neither. Um, and yeah, our solo apps, a lot of Bananimals call in text in say they love when it's just you and me i have some dream guests that i hope we have on because i like talking to guests simone biles olympia olympian oh. the best gymnast of, in american in all olympic history she's incredible yes let's uh, get her on let's get her we tried to get her last year then they canceled the olympics and everybody was like i think all the olympians are very are upset pretty bummed out <laughs> they're not gonna want to goof around 
And we were like, makes sense. I also want to get Soledad O'Brien. Oh, that would be amazing. Yes, she We've rocks. Been trying. We've been trying. If anybody I knows can... good old Soledad, let her know the Banana Boys want to give her a break from all that hard-hitting journalism. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to finally I, I'm going to finally pull my card, Scotty. Okay. I'm going to finally I'm going to pull my card and get in pull touch with Charlize Theron and see if she'll mm-hmm. come on the show. Now, you wrote on her movie. That's why you know her. Yes, I wrote on her movie and well, was long in the movie. Shot. Yes, and so we spent many months together, but again, that was uh, years ago. I have okay. seen her since, and she's always very warm and welcoming. Love but that, I don't Charlize. know if she wants to do podcasts right now, but you know what? I'm going to try, because if you don't take your shot, what do you got? What do you got? It's not like you're writing a movie for her right now, and then you ask her, and she goes, this guy's a royal boob, and then just cancels that <laughs> script deal. You're fine. It's a podcast. It'll take an hour. Plus, she seems like a very cool person. She's I so Shelley's cool. She is so cool. I that one will it. turn into real Beavis and Buttheads. We'll just be like, oh, so like Fury Road, how your arm's missing. Uh, was, that, was that neat or what? Did you remove your arm? Um, cool. right, give me this story, buddy. Newspaper congratulates man for pleasing 15 women for an entire day, leaving them exhausted and satisfied. I mean, this is, uh, it, it is purposefully misleading, I feel, Scotty. Correct. It's by but Emma it, Gray on the Huffington Post. Mm. I love the way she writes. She might be the best in the business. And oh it was sent in by Mavis so. underscore the underscore fox mavis the fox and mavis the fox thank you she's doing such a great job mavis george brownridge must have some serious skills why else would a newspaper have printed the following statement thanking him for quote pleasing 15 women for an entire day exclamation point the man (laughs) good writing there the man even made these 15 (laughs) women Oh, Emma Gray. Oh, HuffPo. <laughs> um, the man even made these 15 women exhausted and very satisfied. Good work, George. At some point, the newspaper staff must have realized that people were interpreting the above clip in a sexual manner. Yeah. You think? Yeah. This is amazing. I'm going to say right off the bat, this is amazing that this many sentences can be said about the title, title. and not give any information <laughs> other than what's in the title. It's beautiful, actually. Um. And because there really isn't a whole lot to this, it does explain <laughs> what it is. But at some point, uh, oh, the above clip in a sexual manner, because they issued a, a follow-up apology for the, quote, inappropriate innuendos. It turns out that Mr. Brownridge was simply arranging a group shopping trip around the holidays, uh, not arranging multiple orgasms, says Emma <laughs> Gray <laughs> for Huffington Post. <laughs> Oh, uh, so group, she, this guy just drove around trips? a lot of older people to take. He took he took fifteen women shopping for an entire day, and they were very happy and they were super satisfied. Also, I would like to sign up for this job. This sounds delightful. This yeah. sounds delightful. Driving ladies around so that they can get their holiday shopping done if yeah. they probably probably can't drive anymore or something like that. They want to get sure. stuff for their grandkids. I love this guy. I love it. It's also. The fact that it's all grandmas is weird that they had to make it sexy. 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's they strange. knew what they were doing. They all these whenever these are like, <laughs> oops, you always know it's some intern trying yeah. to get trying to get those clicks. You gotta get those <laughs> clicks. I love it. I I think one of the low points of my life, and Kurt, you do know this story, was I was uh living in New York and I was temping and it was around Christmas. And I used to work for staffing by Suzanne. Did you ever work with them? No, but I do I did work for a staffing agency, just a different one. Uh, if you're a banana and you live in uh, the five boroughs in Manhattan and you need job, and I, I'm sure they're still in business, Staffing by Suzanne got me through some very lean times, and they're extremely nice, and I tempt. Uh, one of the reasons that it seems like I've had 50 different jobs in my life is because of Staffing by Suzanne. So one of these jobs, I get a call, and they're like, hey, Scotty, we don't have like an office thing for you, but we are sending out all of our holiday gifts to all of our clients, all the people we staff with. Would you mind delivering them? We'll pay you whatever they used to pay me. And I said, absolutely. And so it's snowing, and I put on a jacket and my jeans and my gloves, and I go up to Midtown Manhattan, go up, and my cousin Eamon, who is a director and an actor, is wrapping the gifts. So our family is kicking some serious butt at this point. Two college <laughs> degrees worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and one guy's wrapping Christmas gifts, and I'm running them. So I do this for three days straight. I go up and I get these bags, these gift bags, and I carry about five in each hand. They all have addresses on it all over the city. I'm riding the subway up and down. It's exhausting, but hey, it's a work. It's a job. I needed the moolah. And um, on the third day, it starts snowing, and it's that wet snow, and it's just so nasty. And my shoes are soaked. Uh, I didn't. Have, I didn't even have oh, yeah. good boots. Oh yeah, because holding- it's like. Because you're in New York City, you don't think like, oh, I need winter boots at any point. So you just don't no. have them. And then it's just like, it's insane because you're just not prepared for the weather when it happens. It's such a bummer. It was probably December 22nd. I knew I was going to have to ride the Chinatown bus down to Baltimore. Wasn't really looking forward to that at mm. like 7 or 8 p.m. And so I'm standing on the corner of like Park Avenue in, somewhere in the 60s. And I put down the bags and I'm exhausted. And I kind of looked down at my shoes, and I, I was in my mid to late 20s, and I'm just like, oh, I'm a loser, man. Like, I'm like, this sucks. This sucks so hard that, I'm, <laughs> that I have to do this to make rent and buy family Christmas gifts. <laughs> and at that exact moment, I look to my left, yes. and there's a black SUV. It's no, a Suburban. Here, here it and here in the passenger seat is Matt Damon. And Matt Damon is looking directly <laughs> at me. And I look directly at him. And I, I mean, we're five feet apart making hard eye contact. He's shooting a Born Identity movie, I would later find out. And all I can think to do is I just raise one very proud thumbs up. And he looks at me, and he smiles, and he gives me a huge thumbs up. And then like as he's nodding to be like, we're all going to make it, it just light turns green, Suburban rockets across Park Avenue and I just picked up the bags and I felt like a gust of wind in my sails. If Matt Damon can cheer me on in my piece of shit delivery job, anybody can. And it was like, to this day, I've never been in a room with Matt Damon since. Uh, if I ever am, I'm going to walk right up to him. I'm going to say, I'm going to tell him the story and I'm going to say, do you remember just some sad sack of shit giving you a thumbs up on Christmas? And if he's like, yes, I'm going to hug him and I'm going to be like, you are the greatest living American actor. 
sorry, Freddie Prince Jr. I 100% expected, after the thumbs up, to it hit a big puddle and yeah. send sleety ice water <laughs> over you. And then somebody in the background just goes, welcome to New York! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, pick up my sad bags with fake candles in it. They were LED candles is what I was delivering at, oh, at of one course. of my low points. Weird. But... There's always hope, guys. Never always give up hope. all the way. There, Matt Damon could pull up next to you at any intersection in life. So get ready ever, for ever. it. Have your thoughts. Get ready. ready. I worked for. I see. Here's the here. I worked for Access Staffing. That's the name of the staffing agency I worked for. But I didn't get staffed by Access Staffing. I oh. worked at Access Staffing. So oh. I worked at the staffing agency, right. fixing people's computers. I did that for eight years. I had no computer skills and to this day still do not have any computer skills wow and it speaks volumes about how bad every (laughs) single human being at access staffing how bad they were at computers when they hired an english major whose previous (laughs) whose previous experience was being in a television production company to then be their it guy and i worked there for eight fucking years i wrote scripts i read full wrote full scripts at one point and it was amazing because they were so lenient with me and i don't know why Mm -hmm. um i was just like hey guys i feel like i should make my office in the computer room. I visited you there one time. One time I came in that server room. Oh, and it's like a hot room. It's like not pleasant to be in. But for me, I just didn't want to be out on the floor. I now had like a little, I could close the door. (laughs) I I would close the door, lock the door, put cardboard down, and then just go to sleep if I was particularly hungover. One of the great joys. One of the great joys of having a Uh, closed door. I mean, sure, it was a computer room, and if the air conditioning stopped for three seconds, it became 500 degrees in there, but no one could see me like writing scripts and stuff in the fucking computer room. It was full. I loved it. I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was the classic computer guy being annoyed every time you called, and I apologize to everyone for being that guy, but I hated my job, and I hated my life at that time. So, And you quit it and started stand-up, like, back to... You took the risk. You said, I might yep. not do this. And that there's a cross. There's a crossroads that I think all people who pursue, pursue the arts, you either go, I'm going to stay comfortable, or you quit your access staffing job. Yeah. For me, it was turning down that big Red Bull promotion, which you actually gave me the definitive advice on. And then all of a sudden, you just grind a little harder, and you work a little harder, and you make it. Somehow you make it. So for yep. all our budding bananimal artists, or our later in life bananimal artists, get out. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes swing for the fences. Give it a whirl. Do it. Try it. Do it and up. The worst thing that can happen is you're just back to where you started. Yeah, that's fine. All right. Are you ready for something? Oh, I would love one. Scotty, this story. Okay. This is unlike any story that's been on Bananas Mm-hmm. Yet, it is. Whoa. I'm fascinated by it. I have no story connected to it because it is so unique and strange and yes. unsolved. Unsolved. I'm giving you an unsolved Weird. story here. All right. Okay. This was sent in by Tara Ness, the Thank only you, person Ness. who sent this in. One of this the is from. Uh, is published in Medium, uh, and the title was written by Nicole Henley. B-I-T-B, published on March 7th of 2019, and I looked it up. All of this is true. 
New York Times covered it. A bunch of different places covered it. Holy but the smokes. Medium, this Medium article, I think, does a great job explaining it. The title is... Yes. The Blobs That Fell From The Sky. Uh-huh. Here we go. I'm going to have to read oh, a bit. That was it. I thought it. It no. found it. I thought there was a semicolon comma. No. It is The Blobs the, That Fell From The Sky. On okay. August 7th, 1994, a rainstorm unlike any other descended upon the city of Oakville, Washington, with a population of 723. So we're in the middle of nowhere here. Okay. Unleashing not raindrops, but rather these mysteriously translucent and gelatinous blobs. Wow. The blob wow. rain reportedly came down in torrents and covered as much as 20 square miles. Yes. Anyone within the vicinity of the strange rain came down with... Severe flu-like symptoms. Yeah. Uh, a police officer, David Lacey, was on patrol with a civilian friend when the blobs began raining down at three in the morning. Quote, we turned on our windshield wipers and it just started wow. smearing to the point where we could not see. We both looked at each other and we said, geez, this isn't right. I mean, we're out in the middle of nowhere, basically. And where did this come from? <laughs> uh, yeah. The guy's so very he succinct. He's, yes. he's saying exactly what I would say. <laughs> where the heck did these come from? <laughs> Um, so meanwhile, the blobs fell from the sky elsewhere, uh, roughly half the size of grains of rice at the farm home of Sonny Barcliffe. Shortly afterward, Barcliffe's mother, Dottie Hearn, was hospitalized for dizziness and nausea. Barcliffe herself, as well as a friend, also experienced minor episodes of fatigue and nausea after handling the blobs themselves. What? Um, Yeah. And despite this, the doctor who treated Barcliffe's mother, Dr. David Little, expressed his doubt that these blobs were the cause of the symptoms. Instead, they could have resulted from an inner ear condition, whatever he says. Okay. Uh, overall, I'm skipping around in the article. Overall, the blobs rained down on Oakville six times in three weeks. What? According to some sources, dozens of people got sick. Moreover, several dogs and cats died after coming into contact with it. Wow. Okay, so this we got a mystery on our hands. 1994. Yes. Uh, Unsolved Mysteries actually did a huge piece on this in the late 90s. That was um, such a great show back then. Boy, it I scared know. the pants off. When I was a kid, that show scared me to Robert Stack, I think was the host, coming out of the smoke in the trench coat. Being, <laughs> it's so creepy. It, it would be like, like a, a black person room, right? Home. It yeah. was like a black room and a smoke machine, and he just came out with a trench coat. In the 90s, you could just do, that's all you needed. And you're yeah. just like, I'm in. What is this television I'm watching? Yes. Wow. Okay. Six times. Okay. In one attempt, so this is this. There's a lot of stuff here. In one attempt to identify the substance, the blobs mm-hmm. were reported to contain human white blood cells. Uh, upon further investigation by the Washington State Department of Ecology's Hazardous Material Spill Response Unit, these cells from the blobs were also found to have no nuclei. Uh, so. Bunch of theories are out there. One theory is that the military was doing bombing in the Pacific Ocean, and they hit a huge thing of jellyfish, and that went up into the atmosphere and then rained down on these people. But that does not not explain any of the illnesses or the cats and dogs dying. Okay. Uh, So most people do not believe that theory. All right, I'm out. Uh, the next theory that was proposed by Dr. Little, this dude, Dr. Little, sucks. He says the blobs were a result of concentrated fluid waste from a passing airplane toilet. But immediately in my mind, I was like, no, because all airplane toilet waste is colored blue. And that's what the FAA said. In 1994, you just had those chemical toilets. You flush them, the blue stuff would go down. Sounds fun. And now here it is. This is, okay. the, this is the main main thing. So this, this, this person... 
essentially takes them, takes the samples, and this is like a very, very long, uh, you know, her she got sick, her mom got sick, her kitten died, so she took Dear the samples. God. Yes. Uh she says, I was concerned about the material and spoke with Dr. Kobayashi at the Washington State Health Laboratory. This is where it okay. gets crazy. This sounds legit. Yeah. He advised me to send a sample of the material, mailed a sample to the Washington State Health Lab, which was assigned, it was assigned to Mike McDowell, who was an epidemiologist on staff. Uh, Mike initially set up the gel, set the gel up on bacterial media to see if it would grow anything. It grew two types of bacteria, and then it names the bacteria. I don't know what that okay. is. Okay. Um, at some point, he drew the conclusion, this is just some guy who works at the Washington State Health Lab, that the material itself was man-made and was being used as a matrix, i.e. a vehicle capable of transporting a virus or a bacteria. Oh, shoot. Uh, yes. That's so he, crazy. Right? And he reported his findings to his supervisor. And this is where it gets to the point where you're like, what? Are we? Yeah. Is this real? All right. Uh, when he returned to the lab, at some point, he discovered the substance was missing. Again, okay. he reported this to his supervisor and was advised at that point to not ask questions. Mike is retired now and still does occasional interviews regarding this subject. Uh, and this woman writes, I trust his judgment and his findings as he was a credible expert in the field. Yeah. He was interviewed by National Geographic. He went on the record with National Geographic. Love them. This. Love that magazine as a kid. Used to look at it all the time. Blew my yeah. mind. I loved it. As a kid, it was really fascinating. I, I kind yep. of want to like resubscribe and kind of get it again. But Do it. basically, have you. Uh, the Washington Department of Health guy, he believes that it was a uh, exercise conducted by the military for bio, a bioweapon. Oh, how sweet is that? Well, I'm going to go in with them. I mean, whatever they say, whenever those conspiracy things, everybody sounds insane for 50 years, and then they go, no, yeah. that, that is what it was. Sorry. I know. That's the crazy it's- part. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. and also now that we've lived through the Great Quar, I believe anything. I honestly will believe anything at this point, because we've, we've seen the craziest. This town needs to buy into the blob they need to what's the name of the I town know. at the top they need to have the blob Oakville. bar they need to yeah. have yeah they need to have blob b and b they need to have everything blob related like roswell owns area, uh, area 54 51 yep. whatever the hell it is um w- they need oh banana phone's ringing banana well, should phone. i do it on the air let's, let's do, it, do it let's do it here it comes banana phone this is scotty I'm in Massachusetts. I just wanted to let you know that uh, I've called once before, but uh, I'm an EMT and I just fin- I finished field training a bit ago and it was horrible and you guys got me through it a lot. Um, and I listen to you guys when I'm working, I listen to you guys when I get home after a bad day. <laughs> it's really, really great to laugh. Which well, is yeah, it is. And your name's Lily and you're an e- EMT? Yeah. Yeah, Lily, I'm going to really tell you guys. a big a big surprise. I'm so glad you called back a second time. You are currently, Kurt and I are recording a solo episode in your own speakerphone so we can hear what you're saying. Can we use oh you goodness. on the podcast? Absolutely. I love you guys so much. Well, we love you too. Where are you an EMT? I am an EMT on Cape Cod in Massachusetts. Heard of it. I, used to, I always laugh at the name Sandwich. They named that town Sandwich. And it. then in Sandwich, there's a town. There's a road called House Road. I'm like, did they let a three-year-old name this entire area? Let's go to East Sandwich Probably. and let's park My on House Road. road here, My favorite road here is called Stubtoe Road. Stubtoe Road. 
<laughs> That's pretty damn good. Stop. Uh, Lily, we love you. Thanks so much for calling, and thanks for being an EMT and saving lives. You kick serious banana butt. And even though thank you can't you hear so me, much. thank you. I love you. you guys. You made my day. You Yay. got it. You're, you're banana of the week, Lily. B-O-W. Bye. Bye. Bow wow wow wow! It's banana what a nice of the purse. week. <laughs> bow wow wow wow! B O W banana of the week. Bow wow wow wow! <laughs> Kurt's got the bow wows going on over there. But again, <laughs> yes, they need to. That town in Washington of seven hundred and twenty-three people needs to yeah. embrace the blob. They need to have blob fest. They need to get Blues Traveler to headline blob fest. <laughs> I don't know why. But Don't yeah, own the blob. Own the blob. So they did yes. try and do this, Scotty. But oh. it sounds like it's a the town isn't excited about it. They tried to do make it a jellyfish festival. Oh. Um they tried okay. to rename the town Jellyfish and have oh. Jellyfish Festival. Oh, there is a drink that is uh that you can get only there called the Jellyfish, which is mm-hmm. vodka, gelatin, and juice. Which I believe that's called a jello shot. <laughs> yeah, that's called a jello shot, but we'll go with it. We'll go with it. That's good. I mean, but the blob would be better if they had if they had just had yeah. blob everything. Blob everything. Blob hotel. Blob motel. It'd be it could be incredible. I would go. Uh, I would road trip the same way I went to Exploding Whale State Park oh, in Florence, yeah. Oregon. I would go to Blob Washington and drink a, a flaming blob. I mean, honestly, I would like to go if when we play Seattle. I don't know how far away Oakville is from Seattle. Let's check we it out. Drive. We got to drive over there and just ask. Like, stop at a gas station, and ask people about the blob. You yeah, know? maybe we'll do a record a remote episode out there. That it. could be very fun. Um, mm-hmm. When I lived in Pensacola Beach when I was nineteen, uh, I had uh, a female friend, and we liked each other. And she was a waitress where I was a waiter, and. One of the first kind of things when we realized that maybe we would date is I was like, well, let's go out. There's this area called Portofino. It's like further out on the beach where if you go far enough, there are zero people. I mean, zero. It's incredible. It's like the most beautiful part of Pensacola Beach. So I made it sound like I was just going out there anyways before work. And if she wanted to come, like I'd be out there around 11 or whatever. So like at like 1030, I'm like speeding to get out there before her and set up towels and do all that stuff. Just uh-huh. like super casual, but super planned. And so I get out there early. Nobody in sight, either direction, standing in the water. I sit on this town. I look out and I see this sliver on the horizon. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And I like sit up and I'm watching it. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing? And it keeps getting closer and closer and closer. And I, my first thought, like the hair stood up on the back of my neck and I was like, this is a UFO. This is it. Uh-huh. Uh, people had told me Gulf Breeze was an area where you see tons of UFOs. Anyways, I'm standing there and it gets closer and it's so slow. And then right when it gets to the point, uh, I'm like walking towards the water and then I'm like, I'm going to run. Like, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> And I'm like checking and then I see her car pull up and like so then I'm like well I can't run because I'm going to look like a total bozo idiot. So then like but I'm like backing up towards the towel and then I look up and it's a stealth bomber. It was like a B whatever 52 bomber whatever those big like the round ones and it was flying very slow and I couldn't hear it and then once it passed over me you could hear it like but I was so close to turning on my heel and sprinting away in board shorts like getting in my Corolla and doing 90 I guess to the police I had no idea it was the one that would look like a triangle like a black triangle 
no, it was the round, long one from the hit movie Broken Arrow with John Travolta. I want to see it's the I'm looking. Was it, it up. the? Da- is it Blackbird? SR seventy one Blackbird. That's a. It was the Northrop Grumman B two Spirit, known as oh the Stealth God. Bomber, and it's a uh, one hundred and seventy two feet tip to tip and it scared me and my cool guy i'm laying on the beach to the point where i almost ran like a child to my car do you say in northrop b17 b2 the b2 two it's a beauty you're gonna be glad you looked it up i'm looking it up i'm excited to see if any bananas out there have a b2 yeah it's it's cool angle it's a triangle Oh, but there, yeah. There's one that's like like a, a pyramid. This one's a little rounder. Oh wow! <laughs> <A> little, okay, <laughs> okay. But it uh, it was like a good teachable moment where I had to accept like something that I was like, I doubt that's real. And then suddenly I'm like, these things are very real. I'm going to be abducted. Things are going to happen to my body. <laughs> during and also at it was it in, at night or during the day? It was like 10 a.m. 10:30 a.m. I love that. That you you rarely hear. About a, a an alien freak out at ten thirty in the morning. True, unless you've been up all night. Yes, also true. All right, Scotty, tease us, tease us out to a break. Let's see. I think I have a good one here. So, okay, this was from uh, Kim CB. Kim CB, thanks for sending this in. Subway's tuna is not tuna, but a mixture of various concoctions. A lawsuit alleges. So, get your five dollars. We got a foot long of bananas coming your way. Bananas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Two bananas. Scotty, yes, do you have any shout-outs? You got any shout-outs from the banana phone? Folks, the banana phone will be around until August 1st. Give it a call uh, if you'd like. The number, of course, for everyone out there is uh, 213-214-7974. Scotty is a hero and a gentleman. Uh, by continually answering this phone until August 1st. Yep. I tried. Couldn't do it, guys. Scotty uh, has, the, has the stamina to do this. It's true. I believe in him. I have the gift of gab. Today was one of those busy days where starting at about 7.30 a.m. Well, I missed like four calls in the middle of the night because um, the ringer was off. And then when I got up this morning, it rang five times in the first hour I was up. People were just pumped. I don't know if it was... I don't know what was in retrograde. I don't know. Oh, somebody's calling from New Hampshire. This is crazy. Today is one of those days. Here we go. Banana phone. This is Scotty. Hey, this is really Scotty. Okay, sorry. We're very excited. We're super fans. Really? Oh, well, who is this? Um, it's Natty and Jeff. I'm sorry. Uh, you don't have anything to be sorry about. You're kicking butt. Oh, you're going to leave a cool message, but now you have to deal with the real deal, Banana Boy number two. That's right. Exactly. Where are you guys calling from? Oakland, California. I've heard of it. We'll be up there. We're going to tour this winter, I think. We'll stop through the Bay Area for sure. Well, 
unfortunately, we are not there anymore because we moved into a van and drove across the country, and now we're in New Hampshire. Oh, so you lied right to my face. We'll be in New Hampshire, too. I'm currently recording a solo episode with Curdy B, and you're currently on speakerphone. Can we use you guys on the podcast? Yeah, Absolutely. of course. Um, cool. Well, if you're living that van life, which we love, when we get East Banana Land set up, you got to stop through. We're trying to figure yeah. out a way to get free coffee. Kurt's saying yes. Oh, oh absolutely. Absolutely. But we had one question for you because I know we only have one minute. Yes. <laughs> Where do we stop? What is the one place that we need to go to in this country? Are you road tripping right now? Oh. Kurt, do you have a suggestion for one place to stop? Well, October 23rd, they could come see me at Space Ballroom in Hamden, uh, Connecticut. Okay, well, go see Kurt in Hamden, Connecticut at the Space Ballroom on October 23rd. Is that right, Kurt? Yep. Okay, we there's one for you. Um, I stopped in at the Garden of Eden. A few people recommended it to me. It's in the middle of Lucas, Kansas, and it's this guy lost his mind and built this really weird thing around his house. I can't recommend it enough. It's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there's an Airbnb across the street from it you can sleep in, so go check that out. Okay. That sounds fantastic. I got one for you guys, if you want. Okay, give us one. Uh, the Spam Museum in, uh, where was that? Uh, Austin, uh, Minnesota. Austin, Minnesota. I thought it was going to be stupid. Okay. Uh, it was amazing. The Spam Museum in Austin, Minnesota, getting a free plug from the Bananimals. We love that. <laughs> And okay. they will give you free samples. Oh, no. They gave us, like, an entire pack of, like, stuff. They were so excited about everything that we were doing. Um, and we're not doing things, like, for plugs or anything. So you don't have to put anything. We're just excited to hear from you guys because we love listening to you. Thank you so much. We love you right back. Kurt says he loves you. And uh, thanks for calling. Um, enjoy the spam, the rest of the road trip, and go see Kurt in Connecticut. Oh, we will. See you guys. Bye. Bye. I mean, dude, it's been like this all day. It's we've had four calls since I've been on. I just feel bad because that one rang three times in a row. Um, But yeah, my goodness, the banana, banana was love the banana phone. No shout. No shout outs. Thank you for all the rating and reviews, guys. We have best in the business T-shirts coming sometime soon. We'll be posting them, and they look so. Good. Yeah, designed by Fal Perolta, our buddy Nick, Bananimal Nick. Uh, he really did an amazing design, and we're excited to. And we're going to have him on hypercolor t shirts, guys. <laughs> yep, that's true. We're going to have hypercolor Bananimal Best in the Biz shirts that you can touch. You, as you get hotter, they change color. So get ready for wait. a true hot, hot, hot Bananimal summer. Um, the only other thing is I've been talking to someone, um, Kilm Sarah. Kilm Sarah is a Bananimal, and they were thinking about doing an adult t-ball league. And I told them, Kurt, that we would, if they called themselves the Bananimals, we would send just that team jerseys. Oh, I mean, t-shirts. Yeah. So, oh, hell yeah. That's cool. I'm in. I'm in. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, you got anything else? You want to get back into this crud? Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, no, let's get back into this crud. You, okay. you sent us out. Give it to me. What is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Subway. Kim CB. Subway's sandwiches. Subway's tuna sandwiches. Not tuna, but a mixture of various concoctions, a lawsuit alleges. This was written by Tim Carmen for WashingtonPost.com. Mm-hmm. They give Tim the hard-hitting stories because they know from the bottom of their hearts he's the best in the business. They so- just know he's going to knock it out of the park. When it comes to what kind of meat is on my sandwich, they... 
turn to one man, Tim Carmen for WashingtonPost.com. <laughs> Subway. If it's between two buns, Tim Carmen's on top of it. Is this fish? We'll never know unless we said hard hitting Tim Carmen. He's got a nose for tuna. Um, What's Timmy C say about this? Subway describes its tuna sandwich as uh, quote freshly baked bread layered with flaked tuna blended with creamy mayo. <laughs> oh man, doesn't even sound good the way they describe it. And topped with your choice of crisp. Fresh veggies. Ooh, you know that iceberg lettuce at Subway is just so crisp. So crisp. Um, Not rubbery at all. It's a description designed to activate the saliva glands and separate you from your money. It's also... Yeah. See? That's why they send him in. This guy (laughs) takes no prisoners. (laughs) Oh, It's also fiction, at least partially, according to a recent lawsuit filed by U.S. District Court for Northern District of California. Never heard of it. Uh, The complaint alleges that ingredients billed as, quote, tuna, end quote, for the chain sandwiches and wraps contains absolutely no tuna. Only a tiny percentage of bluefin or yellowfin tuna is even farmed. The star ingredient, according to the lawsuit, is made from anything but tuna. Based on independent lab tests and multiple Nails. samples. Yeah. Fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I mean, maybe. You never know these days. Um, it's a... Uh, God, it's a mixture of various concoctions that do not constitute tuna yet have been blended together by defendants to imitate the appearance of tuna, according to the complaint. Uh, Shalini Dogra, one of the attorneys for the plaintiffs, declined to say what the exact ingredients are, but the lab test did reveal them. So, okay. okay. Um, representative for Subway, the other, the angel on the shoulder they deny says. It. The claims are without merit. The tuna mm-hmm. sold at the chain is wild caught, the company says, uh, which is how I the like vast- that they're going further out. They're not. They're doubling down on that. I love that, that it's not farmed. It's wild caught, pole caught. Each tuna, each tuna fish yes. per sandwich, then, per sandwich sent to <laughs> Subway right there. OK, great. I love that. Um, Caught to order. Absolutely. Caught to order. If you order a tuna fish, $5 foot long, they send a man out in a boat with a fishing rod at a long pole. Come on, Scotty. That's ridiculous. He's already out in the boat, but his cell phone rings. And they say, we got another order for a foot long, pal. And he's like, just sweating, trying to pull in an 800-pound tuna fish to cut just a tiny piece off. And then FedEx it on over to that subway shop. That's why people love it. It's incredible what they do. They do tons of work there. Um so, yeah, the two plaintiffs are identified as Karen uh, Danawa, Karen Danawa, and Nalima Amin, both residents of Alameda County in the Bay Area. But attorneys for these two said that their claim is certified as a class action. So hold on to those receipts, Bananimals. If you've been eating tuna at Subway or what you thought was tuna at Subway, you might be getting paid wow. probably five bucks back. But, yeah, anybody that bought it uh, tuna sandwiches and wraps after January 21st, 2017 could be in on this class action lawsuit. I'm going to get my dad. I'm going to get my dad involved. My dad ate a tuna fish sandwich from Subway every day for, I think, 10 years. Uh, And he was proud of it. That's insane. He was proud of it. He was always like... That's why I'm so healthy. That's what he would say because he wow. ate that not tuna. Also, I have done a deep dive on this article because I was thinking about doing it myself. Oh, I cool. read 
the New York Times. So the New York Times did covered this as well. Right. So essentially everything that they're saying is, is it's a lawsuit. They're alleging it. It's not been proved in court. But what the New York Times did was they went to multiple different subway locations, bought multiple different um, tuna fish sandwiches, and then had them sent out to a lab that identifies different types of marine species mm-hmm. um, and had all of them tested. And what they found was that none, none of them contained tuna DNA. That's crazy. Um, but... With okay. the caveat that okay. cooking that cooking fish degrades its DNA to the point where oftentimes you cannot tell what fish a cooked fish is. So it could be tuna. And then there's an interview with a person who just kind of is a manager at Subway. And they're yes. just like, look, tuna is the cheapest meat out there. Why are they – if they're going to – like make a fake meat why is it the tuna the tuna's cheap like ah, making fake tuna would be even more difficult and probably co- it would be cost prohibitive to make fake tuna it seems sounds like it, like it. that's wild well yeah. that's pretty interesting i mean who cares i, I don't think subway's my last fast food choice <laughs> I, I don't go i mean it's fine it, it's fine i'm not shitting on it like if you love yeah. it good for you we're not we're not saying hey eat how you want to yeah. eat you only go around the carousel once do what you if you do. if you want to go and eat a sandwich uh, it's basically a yoga mat wrapped up with a bunch of uh, uh <laughs> wood shavings flavored mm-hmm. like tuna fish you go ahead and you do that yeah the did you hear that their right. bread their bread was supposed to be mostly uh, yoga mats like the same chemical in yoga mats was found in their bread well okay yeah well so okay, that seems cool. <laughs> now I want a yoga mat that looks like a sandwich. I mean, now I want a hoagie-looking yoga mat. I used to, um, when I was working at that bike shop, uh, next door was a place called the Newtown Deli, and there was this uh-huh. guy called, and we all called him Limp Limp Jeremy because he wore a corn hat and a limp okay. biscuit shirt every day, like corn the band. With oh the yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Which imagining you- like a candy corn hat, and I would be like, "That sounds like a cool dude already." No, you would you know, know him. Just like if- a triangle. <laughs> <laughs> You would know him. But Limp Jeremy was our age, went to a rival <laughs> high school. And so we all kind of knew each other. We'd go over to the bagel place next door, whatever, the deli next door, and, and vice versa. And, one, and so I was sort of like, uh, I was 16 or so, probably too young mm-hmm. to actually like legally be a manager. But I, mo- I closed the shop a lot of nights. So one night, uh, he, Jeremy, Limp Jeremy comes over and he locks the bike shop door behind him, the bike doctor's door. Uh-oh. He goes, who's here? Is it you and Casey? I go, I already told Casey he could go home. And it was just me. And he's like, I, I need your help with something. I was like, yes. And I'm going to use a fake name for this other person because, you know, it's unfair. But he goes, hey, you know, uh, you know Angie so-and-so, right? And I go, yeah, I go to high school with her. Yeah, she's a year older than me. And he goes, well, I, I slept with her yesterday. And I go, oh, okay. And he's like, and she has a boyfriend, right? I'm like, yeah, I think she has a boyfriend. Yeah, he's a pretty nice guy. And he goes, well, I need your help dude just don't be weird and he goes can i come in the bathroom with me so we go in the back of the bike shop bathroom this guy just uh-huh. walked into where i work and locked the door locked and said the door. I need help. okay and, but he was like ghost white <laughs> and he's got a corn hat on so i know he's serious you know he's uh-huh. ready for business he's ready to rock <laughs> and we go in and he pulls uh, he pulls down his fly and he pull, he's like dude look at this and he pulls out like the middle side part of his ding dong uh-huh. and he goes do you see this and I go, yes. And he goes, what do you think that is? I go, it looks like a, a zit, man. It looks like a pimple. He goes, I think it's herpes. And I go, okay. I was like, I don't know. I'm 16 years old. You're in a, we're in a bike shop right now. I'm not a doctor. 
did you think it was Dr. Bike? Like yeah. the bike doctor, bike doctor meant that I was yes. a, doc, a bunch of doctors yeah. here who just like to ride bicycles? No. Yes. I'm like Doogie Hauser. My name's Dr. Bicycle. <laughs> and I graduated from Yale at 14. And now I work here in my thing. The bikes are just a prop. So I was like, dude, don't worry. You know me. I was like, it's going to be fine. I was like, he's like, oh, shit, man. He's like, this is so bad. He's like, does she sleep with a lot of people? And I'm like, no, no, I don't think so. I think like you're the only one or whatever. And I was like, did you wear a condom? He's like, no. I was like, this is so insane. So anyways, <laughs> then at that point, I'm like, oh, yeah, he caught something. So I'm like, you're going to be fine, man. There's a Planned Parenthood in Pikesville. Go there. Check it out. So the next day he comes in, attitude totally different totally different guy so limp jeremy just struts on in and he's like he goes dude i showed my dick to the doctor you know what they said i said what he goes it's a zit it was just a zit i had a zit. and i was like yeah i told you because you're so cool about it he goes you can have free food whenever you want and from then on out for two more years whenever he was working i would walk behind the counter and just make full subs by myself <laughs> like he, they didn't i mean i probably ate i'm not i won't even want to exaggerate i probably ate $900 worth of free subs <laughs> in the next 18 months just because this guy showed me his ding dong and I was like chill man oh, you're gonna man. be fine maybe wrap it up next time <laughs> limp Jeremy if you're out uh. there you're probably not <laughs> actually you're probably not <laughs> corn and limp biscuit your two favorite bands at 16 you got a hard road to hoe oh man dick zits got you free subs that is great I'll take that trade any day of the week any day my God. Don't send dick pics to the banana phone. I will block you. Oh, no, no. Please don't. That's, please, God, don't. That's terrible. I'm a gentleman. Are you ready? I love the way you tell stories. This is sent in by guess who? Just one guess, Scotty. Copy haste. Copy haste, baby. Our boy. Our boy. I better find an Aaron Erdman one here. Here we go. Uh, and this is, uh, I looked at, this was originally in the India Times, then it was mm-hmm. covered by somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. But honestly, I tried not to go with the Vice article, but the Vice article was the best written and had the best title. So, okay. Uh, a couple accidentally grew the world's most expensive mango. Uh, (laughs) Uh they've they've now hired three men and nine dogs to guard it Uh, this is absolutely fascinating four years ago farmer Sankalp Singh Parara traveled to the southern Indian city of Chennai in search of a hybrid coconut seeds during the train journey struck up a conversation with a man seated opposite him Uh when the man learned that Parara was a farmer he offered to sell him a special mango sapling for essentially $33. Out of curiosity, decided to take a chance and buy it. Uh, wow. So then they planted it, and then all of a sudden it grew, and this is a quote from him, I grew it like an ordinary mango plant, but a few months later saw that it had developed a beautiful red color. Uh, this Ooh. is insane. So apparently it is known as the egg of the sun. Mm. Uh, it is a Japanese variety Yum. of mango. <laughs> <laughs> Yum, mouthwatering. Mm. And according to a local Japanese media report, a box of two Miyazaki mangoes sold okay. for half a million Japanese yen, which what? is $4,500 in 2019. Uh, so, yeah, they have 
they have these mangoes now that are just growing, and they're so expensive in Japan because they have to grow them in a in a in a in a in a greenhouse. They have yeah. to have like mist and everything because the Japanese. But in India, they just grow naturally. And so this guy has got this cool plan where he has not sold any yet. So he had like one fruiting tree, and he took all the seeds, and he's planted like 150 more. And his wow. plan is to like essentially just introduce this what used to be a rare mango. Apparently, the the flesh is red and it's like mm. hyper sweet and you can eat the uh you can eat the uh, rind of it as well wow. which would be amazing to eat a red mango and you could eat the rind just eat it like a fucking apple yes um and so yeah so this guy but you know people are of course trying to steal it so he has all these guards and everything this is like the the cursed gift you know like this would be a great one for bridger uh, gift or curse to get the most special mango seed ever. <laughs> yeah, and how much was one, or was it for the case? You you said a number. It, it's two. The case a case of two, four thousand five hundred dollars. So each one was worth two thousand two hundred and fifty bucks wow. for one mango. For one mango. Yeah. Man, I mean, I guess I, uh, mangoes are pretty damn good, but I don't know <laughs> if I would pay two grand for a mango. I'm trying to think what the most expensive meal I've ever had is. What's the most yeah. expensive meal? You, I can't think of. Like sometimes you get dropped one where like I definitely there were definitely some night bar tabs in Manhattan that would get dropped and it'd be like five or six of us that would be well over a thousand dollars and you would just like die. Oh, you and I got stuck with one once. When, where, when? We won't name names. Did we already talk about this? But when we bought uh, Kristen a birthday dinner once. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, and someone was just like, yeah, we were all just drinking and eating for hours. And then the check came, and the person who had the most amount of money was By far the most. I had uh, just an appetizer, so... So, I'll so Kurt and I at our brokest, yeah, left 20 bucks. And Kurt and I, I went to the ATM and I was like, oh my God, it was for a friend's birthday. So we were like, we got to cover this. And I think I took out like $180 because I think I had $190. <laughs> and I was like so angry because I had ordered intentionally like a beer and a burger to keep it cheap. And then I'm over here going like, oh God. <laughs> I yeah, that's not for me, man. A, a two thousand dollar mango, I think I would graciously pass. I think oh, a one dollar yeah, mango tastes one. great. I, they, they do; they taste really good. Love I can't even imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to f- think. What's like the most expensive meal I ever had? I think I know what it was. It was um, I went to Paris in my 20s with my then girlfriend for her birthday. What a romantic. Um, I don't think we were like, it wasn't like, we're going there for your birthday. We were like kind of there during that time because her birthday was in the spring. But then Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to take you out for your your birthday. And we went to a place in Paris. I think it was called Atelier. And it there was a it was like you know prefix menu you just like sat down and they just fed you yeah and then we also got the wine pairing as well oh and boy we were like that's how they get you. six <laughs> we were like twenty six or something also not drinking a ton of wine yeah and I remember I remember being pretty with it for like half the meal where it was like these amazing <laughs> like these amazingly crazy French creations and just being mm. like oh this is 
delicious and amazing. Mm. And then it just like just starts to get blurry. And then we ended the night across the street from the restaurant. There was a park. We just sat down on a park bench and both passed out in the park. Amazing. Right after eating. It was supposed to be like the best meal in Paris or whatever. And just it, it just fucking knocked us on our ass. So just, we were just two asleep. wine drunks asleep yes. on a bench. <laughs> but just asleep on a bench. But, That's kind of ro- I kind of like it. That is kind of romantic. How yeah. many people have you married? You're you're a minister. You got ordained, or you ordained yes. yourself? How many have I you or- married? I ordained myself when I was 18 years old, and back mm-hmm. then you would have to send five dollars and a postcard to the Universal Life Church, and then they would like mail you back a certificate. It took oh, like, cool. Eight weeks, and no, like now everyone's a, a minister, but back then it was like, oh, it's a unique thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I've married. Seven, I think seven couples, That's and only cool. one. All of them were close friends. All of them, except for one, are still together. Um, but I did marry uh, some strangers, and yeah. it was, and that was, it was terrible. And I, and I, and I won't do it anymore. I won't marry. Good. I'm done. My marrying days it's are over. Too much over. pressure. It's it's too, too much pressure. Much, it's too much pressure. I, I do it for my very close, close friends. But it's like it's it's more nerve wracking than doing a show. It's more. Oh. It's just like terrifying. Interesting. It's like you, you fuck up a show. You fuck up a show. You fuck it's up your, it's on you. wedding. Yeah. You, like it's their one wedding, maybe you know, mm-hmm. for their life. So yep. I found it too stressful. Got it. The reason I ask is because of this yeah. story. Um, I, I think we're going to end with a, a kind right. of sweet one. I think you're going to like this one. All right. You, you have a good soft heart about these sorts of things. This was sent in by Moby underscore Dickens a while back. Sorry, Moby. It took me a little <laughs> bit of time to get here. Moby Dickens. Dickens with a Y. Um, let's do it. Alzheimer's patient asks wife to marry him after falling in love with her for a second time. <gasps> oh, wow. This was written by Ida Siegel for NBCNewYork.com. Quote, he leaned in and whispered in my ear, thank you for staying, Lisa said through tears. Wow. A Connecticut couple got to say I do for a second time in an emotional ceremony. The groom may never remember, but the bride will never forget. Good writing, Ida. This, yes. Yes. Ida really is the best in the biz. It's a love story. Uh, that romance movies aspire to. Alzheimer's disease has stolen most of Peter Marshall's memories, but one thing he hasn't forgotten is how much he loves his wife, even wow. if he doesn't recall her name. Wow. Peter and his wife, Lisa, have been married for 12 years, but with Peter, 56, battling, 56 is really young, battling onset Alzheimer's oh. that he was diagnosed with a few years ago, he doesn't remember their wedding happening. He just knows that he loves her. So last December, he, Peter had a sudden moment of clarity. The couple were watching a wedding on TV, and and he turned to her and said, quote, let's do it. Lisa didn't know how to respond. I said, do what? She said. And he pointed to the TV, the scene of the wedding, and said, do you want to get married? Uh... And he said, yes, and he had this huge grin on his face, Lisa said. He doesn't know that I'm his wife. I'm just his favorite person. Peter got to fall in love all over again, and he chose Lisa again. Quote, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I get to do it twice, said Lisa, wiping a tear from her eye. Her daughter is uh, a wedding and event event planner, and she put out the word, and countless vendors offered their services for free, which is very beautiful. Thank you to all those wonderful vendors. It was so perfect. I couldn't have dreamt for a better day it was so magical i can't remember seeing him so happy for such a long time he was just so happy um 
but uh, Peter's illness has been getting worse, sadly. So he no longer remembers the vow renewal ceremony just a couple months ago. But he does remember a woman loves him and cherishes him. And he leaned in my ear and whispered, thank you for staying, Lisa said through tears. Wow. That's oh very God. beautiful story. Well written, Ida. Also, how wonderful to have a confirmation that you made the right choice in a person. Do you know what I mean? Like that that it wasn't just uh, circumstantial. It wasn't just of the place he was in at that time in his life. It is just like a true... A, a true and 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 uh, pure love yep. that erupts even without the context of their lives. That's amazing. Boy. Yeah, it's a pretty one. That was a pretty bananas. We don't always get pretty bananas on this, but no. that one to me, I was like, boy, that is that is another level of romance. It so is. Incredible. It's really. It's it's very much like a. It's very much like a time traveling romance. Scott. That's what I, I. I'm surprised you're still upright. I'm surprised you're not on the floor with your puffs plus. I, try, I had to keep it together. I had to be like, I have to talk soon. I can't break down now. And if any of our bananas haven't gone and listened to Scattered, Chris Garcia, the great comedian, uh, our our great friend who we love so much, Chris Garcia has this incredible podcast called yes. Scattered. Karen Kilgariff does the after show or after special, the one uh-huh. after Chris's story is told about his relationship with his father uh, and his battle with Alzheimer's and getting the ashes. His father was a Cuban immigrant, getting them back to Cuba. I cannot recommend it enough. I cried so hard listening. Yeah. To, I, I texted Chris and I was like, I'm driving to Palm Springs and crying my eyes out listening to you. <laughs> and then when Karen comes on and does her part, now it's two of my friends going through this. I'm cry- it was like the hardest I've cried in my adult life. I, wow. it, was, it, it was so beautiful, so scattered. Wanted to give him a plug, but um, yeah, how beautiful plug. is that? That is beautiful. My goodness. It is, uh, it, it, it is terrifying. It is terrifying and dark often growing older, but to know that there is, uh, there's moments of light uh, Absolutely. Kind of is, a, uh, is, a, is a comfort. True beauty. You know, as dark and crappy as the world can be sometimes, boy, when it's good, it, it's so good. It is yeah. so beautiful. It's so good, it makes you forget about the bad, and that's why we keep doing it, this thing called living. Scotty, that has been another episode of Bananas. I love them. Thank I you, I love buddy. them all. Yeah, it was Thank fun to, talking to you. Thank you to pro- our producer, Katie Levine. Thank you to our mm-hmm. intern, Lisa Maggot. Thank you to Exactly Right, everyone over there, Georgia Karen. Thank you to you, Scotty. Thank you to you, Kurt. Me and the Yes! <laughs> this has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. 